Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Good morning, and you're very welcome to this morning's Signpost webinar. This morning, we're delighted to be joined by Michal Callahan. Michal is with uh, Community Wetlands uh, Forum. And our, our today's webinar is Chagas' contribution uh, to World Wetland Day. And it's, uh, I suppose, the start of a whole series of events over the next week, which are be organised by the Irish Ramsar Wetland Committee. Uh, and I'm just delighted to be joined by uh, Michal and, and Catherine. Catherine, you might just tell us a little bit about the, the uh, Irish Ramsar Wetland Committee and, and the work that they do. Yeah, well, Ramsar is a place in Iran where the first convention was held. So that's where we get the name from. And Ireland is one of 160 signatures to the uh, Convention on Wetlands, Conservation of Wetlands. So then in Ireland, because we've signed up to it, Ireland has an Irish Ramsar Wetland Committee. <clears throat> and it, it, it comprises of, of a representative from, you know, state, semi-state, NGOs, academia, um, uh, community groups uh, representative <clears throat> and look at I suppose all our mission in life is to promote wetlands I mean we're we're all working in our own worlds but we're trying to coordinate the power of the group is always stronger so <clears throat> I, I, the, again the events this week are kind of anything that we know lots of good work goes on Pat as you and I know and nobody knows about it so I suppose we we don't um you know that's our mission in life is to get out the word about the value of wetlands and I think I'm sure Michal will go on to explain you know what the biggest problem I think we have is is what it is and like behind me mightn't be the first thing you'd think of as a wetland but our peatlands our bogs our wetlands it, so. it, it's a, it's a worldwide organization and, and it's a worldwide problem there are really valuable wetlands, in, probably in parts of the world that you don't really realise might have uh, wetlands, but they are a key part of our ecology and a key part of the health of the planet, really. Absolutely. Uh, Michal, you're, you're very welcome. Uh, I suppose a lot of the time when we uh, have speakers on here, they're from a scientific background. Your background is maybe a little, a little bit different. Yeah, I, that's it. I suppose my own background, I mean, I, I'm the development officer with the, the Community Wetlands Forum. Um, my own background is, I suppose, prior to this really in, in um, I suppose, governance and policy and, and, and you know, but but really looking at, I suppose, how how those mechanisms interact with and impact, uh, you know, local stakeholders and, and, and communities. So, uh, so um yeah, delighted to be here. Thanks a million for having me on and looking forward to it. And, and you'll be describing in your, your presentation the, the work of uh, what is the Community Wetlands Forum and, and the work that you do. So if you're ready. So the, the, the Community Wetlands Forum, I mean, it, it, it sort of is what it says in the tin in, in, in a way. Um, it aims to promote, develop and support community-led wetland conservation in Ireland, and it recognises wetlands as being important places of biodiversity, climate action, community integration, well-being and ownership. And I think that that well-being and community integration bit is, is really important. And, and it's great that um, the theme of this year's World Wetlands Day is, is wetlands and human well-being. And, uh, you know, I think throughout this presentation, I'll hopefully give you a sense of how um, uh, community led projects uh, interacting with wetlands, they deliver benefits for wetlands and, and nature, but also then deliver benefits for for community as well and human well-being. 
And the forum itself then is a platform uh, for community-led wetland conservation groups around Ireland. And, and we're a member-led we're a member-led platform. Uh, so I think that's that's very important and we're, we're very unique in that regard, I think. Um, and one of the, the main benefits of, of membership of the, the Community Wetlands Forum for, for community projects is, uh, I suppose, access to, not just access to, but they're contributing to, I suppose, peer-to-peer -peer learning, peer-to-peer -peer information sharing, peer-to-peer -peer support. So basically other community groups and people involved in communities coming together, learning from each other, updating each other on their projects and, and, and supporting each other really. Um, and, and, and very strong and genuine connections then are built through that. Um, we also work to encourage and support new community wetland projects. And uh, of course, we, you know, we engage and work alongside other agencies and bodies as well. Um, and I suppose, you know, the, the origins of the Community Wetlands Forum, um, uh, CWF has been around, you'll hear me use that acronym a little bit, has been around for, for uh, the last 10 years or so. And it was initially, uh, you know, uh, purely uh, coming together of, of community-led projects all on a voluntary basis to support each other and learn from each other and I suppose to give maybe more attention and more of a spotlight and more influence to the importance of bottom-up community-led strategies to protect wetlands and promote wetlands and protect nature and we, we recognize that that is a, an incredibly important aspect of uh, nature restoration but uh, you know we also we also need and we also uh, depend on uh, the, the the top down element so so in a way um we i suppose we strive for maybe this this kind of meeting in the middle and and, and genuine uh, genuine sort of working together and collaboration um and i you know i think probably throughout uh in the past, anyway, uh, you know, historically, maybe when it comes to environmental protection and policy and legislation and, and initiatives in Ireland, uh, maybe that bottom up approach in the past has unfortunately been may maybe just a little bit neglected or, or uh, you know, there has often been more of a top down approach, um, uh, which which, you know, hasn't all this maybe worked out maybe the way it was intended. So things are changing, uh, thankfully, and, you know. We we it's great to see uh you know big changes in terms of uh, um projects being delivered by National Parks and Wildlife Service, semi states, uh, major projects like Wild Atlantic Nature as well. So so um you know we're in a in a much more positive uh, place now, I think. So just to briefly touch, I suppose, on the benefits of, of conserving wetlands. Uh, I mean, there, there's numerous benefits, benefits in terms of water flow, uh, improved water quality. Uh, massive one is around carbon storage and, 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 and carbon sequestration. Uh, all wetlands, but I suppose in particular peatlands. And, and I, I think that's maybe something which is gradually being more widely understood i mean it's obviously well understood amongst sort of you know scientists and ecologists and people working maybe on on peatland issues but uh like i mean i grew up in in north monaghan um and okay we don't have the raised bogs that they, that they have in the, in the midlands but uh on the border with tyrone and fermanagh there's an upland area sleeve bay and i would have you know i would have gone up there quite a lot uh as a child and as a teenager but but i wouldn't have maybe been aware or appreciated how important that the landscape was for i suppose uh for that you know the climate action really you know uh, and so we have a huge 
we have a huge natural resource here in Ireland and, and peatlands. There's a statistic which kind of blows my mind a bit. Uh, peatlands cover about 3% of the Earth's surface, but but I, I think store around a third of the Earth's carbon. So they're, they're just an incredible uh, carbon store. They're also a home for biodiversity and wildlife. And and I'll convey, you know, through, the through I suppose, our projects in particular, uh, you know, that they could be sites for environmental uh, education, recreation value, very important from a cultural, you know, value and sense of place. Um, and uh, there, there are, you know, I, I suppose more recently there are opportunities for sustainable and ecotourism. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this as time goes on. Um, and just to say, so, you know, we're the community wetlands forum as opposed to the, the community peatlands forum. So while maybe the majority of our members are, um, involved with or associated with peatlands, especially in the Midlands. Um, uh, we, I suppose, we are open to community groups looking at all kinds of wetlands, and, and these include, you know, fens, rivers, riparian zones along rivers, lake fringes, wet grassland, turlocks, wet woodlands, floodplains, coastal wetlands, and even human and man-made wetlands. So, you know, uh, there's 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 a huge number of, of wetlands in Ireland. And, uh, you know, um, here, I suppose these graphic, graphics show a little bit of the potential and, as, and also the impact of, of, uh, of our members and of community-led wetland uh, uh, management initiatives in general. So the, the, the first map of, with the pinpoints uh, um, shows, you, uh, shows you our member groups, uh, community group members across Ireland. So we have about 40 community group members across Ireland, all, all working at different levels of, of, of engagement with wetlands. So some of our uh, member groups are, you know, quite maybe far advanced in terms of focusing on wetland and peatland restoration and protection initiatives. Others are developing recreational projects. Uh, so uh, walking trails and boardwalks, um, which really contribute to well-being. Others are focusing on, you know, citizen science, doing a lot of uh, citizen science recording species um, that are found on, on our wetlands. Uh, a lot of our groups as well do a lot of education and outreach around the importance of wetlands. And then other groups, while they don't necessarily carry out the restoration works themselves, they, they suppose they, they work alongside uh, state agencies uh, and other agencies to, I suppose, catalyze uh, buy-in and support for, for restoration, which is incredibly important. Um, so so then, then then the other map, then the one in the middle, uh, and, and I think this has been updated even since, but but this is from Wetland Surveys Ireland. Uh, um, there are over 13,000. I think this map shows over 12,000, but in fact, uh, I was at a presentation recently and I heard there are over 13,000 uh, known wetlands, different types of wetlands around Ireland. So, so we're literally surrounded by wetlands. And uh, so there's huge potential for further community uh, led initiatives or, or you know community initiatives to promote and protect wetlands and then then the infographic on the right then I suppose is just a little bit of a snapshot of uh, well the, the work and the impact the collective impact of the members of the community wetlands forum so between community group individual and stakeholder members we, we have about 58 members in 15 counties so we'd love to get uh, we'd love to have uh, you know grow organically of course but we'd love to grow organically to to a to a space where we have 
a member a community member group in each county in Ireland and um, those member groups and this is a probably a conservative number and uh, based on survey responses but um those member groups uh, are are engaged with or involved with uh, over over 2275 hectares of wetlands across 23 protected areas so across really I suppose significant, really important uh, uh, wetland sites, um, undertaking education programs, walking trails, conservation measures, and lots of partnership as well. So it's nice to see that I suppose collective effort and and ripple effect because I know sometimes when you're, uh, you know, when you're working on maybe a community uh, project and you're very much focused on your locality, sometimes you can feel like, you know, you're 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 maybe. You, you know, I don't know, not not making that much of a difference. But when you see the collective impact and collective effort, uh, you know, I, I think the opposite is true. So we I mentioned that the Community Wetlands Forum is um uh has been around for 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 the last ten years and, and has grown organically. Um, initially in an entirely voluntary run initiative. So we're now uh myself, I'm a full time development officer, and then. We are uh, we're, we're part lead partners on a, on a uh, project called Connecting Communities with Peatlands project. So so there are two staff members, um, and this is the uh, uh, this these are photos from our launch event. So uh, you might be wondering uh, how how are we launching if we've been around for ten years? So we our membership last year uh, decided to uh, establish a, a I suppose a newly independent company limited by guarantee. Um, so we're now the Community Wetlands Forum CLG. So that's a very significant, I suppose, milestone, you know, for a member-led, bottom-up uh, um, uh, organisation promoting and, and, and working towards community-led conservation in Ireland. So we had a we had a great day. We had a great day in Athlone here, just some of the pictures from, from, our, from that launch event. And we were delighted to have uh, Minister Noonan attend that. Um, and, and I think you see the especially in that photo there at the bottom right, you see the genuine warmth and the genuine connections and, and the real strength of the peer-to-peer the -peer approach there. Um, so so that, was, that was really a historic uh, day. So hopefully now this works. So this is a short video, so uh, you won't have to listen to me for the next couple of minutes. So here's a short video uh, featuring a couple of our members and myself as well. So hopefully this works. My name is Michal Callaghan and I'm the Development Officer with the Community Wetlands Forum. Community Wetlands Forum is a platform for community groups who are involved in the promotion of their wetlands and the protection and management of wetlands and peatlands around Ireland. So I suppose historically, you know, when it comes to peatlands and even environmental policies and, and conservation, often uh, it has been top down uh, and oftentimes communities and local stakeholders maybe have felt isolated and have felt as if things are being almost dictated to them. But our approach, you know, of engaging communities and, and putting communities at the centre, it's empowering, it can, uh, you know, develops buy-in, trust as well, trust of sort of conservation and policy. Like over time, hearts and minds are changing. I'm Eileen Fahey, Chairperson at Kiltit and Tidy Towns and I also represent the group on the Community Wetlands Forum. If it wasn't for the Community Wetlands Forum, we probably would have a lot less done. This place would be a lot more boring, I'd say, because bogs have always inspired people. But to have the courage to actually unleash your own creativity, which is what it did with us. My name is Eugene Dunbar and um, I'm actively involved in a local community group called Ethos. 
And ETHOS stands for Everything Tourist Pass Has On Show. And really in ETHOS we're we've been exploring all different aspects of our local built and natural environment. The Community Wetland Forum uh, helped us in Tyrrells Pass to flourish basically, to extend our knowledge and to, to get involved in a network which was beyond our local community. So we have groups that are at various stages of engagement with wetlands. So you have some groups who are very far advanced in terms of restoration and rewetting works. You have other groups who are just beginning. You also have other groups who are really uh, focusing on recreation and focusing on the sort of mental and physical well-being benefits, the culture, the heritage. We're a really broad church essentially of groups not just actively conserving but also celebrating uh, these unique places in Ireland. Looking at it from a community, uh, from the aspect of a commu community driven, you know, and, and how local communities can interact with their bogs and that really excited us and that really was the spark which got us onto the, our current project which was to develop uh, a boardwalk here on Cloncrow. You're in a real community of like-minded people and, that's, and that's, the, that's the key to it like. For any small group I think it would be very wise to engage with the Community Wetlands Forum. As I said, it's the place where we got support, confidence, drive, information, resources, support, people, human beings to talk to who understand all of this and who've been there before, many of them over a long, long time. If you are a community organisation or a local group wanting to do something with your local wetland, then please do get in touch. I would love to hear from you and figure out a way that we can work together. And ultimately, you won't regret it, so go for it. Yeah, so hopefully that gave a sense of of uh, of the the CWF and I suppose the, the benefits that members that uh, see from being involved. And I'll um uh, I'll just maybe briefly mention a little bit about um the, the two members there that you saw. So that uh, uh, you saw Eugene Dunbar from Ethos and Terrell's Pass, and uh, they've done a huge amount of of community engagement uh, around uh, Cloncrow Bog, which is an NHA protected area, national protected area, which is directly on the directly, I suppose, just outside Terrell's Pass Village. And um, one of the things that they recently did, uh, again, bottom-up, community-led, was they developed a boardwalk uh, and, and a trail connecting the village, um, connecting the village, uh, going through some from woodland and then boardwalk going out over the bog and then connecting back into the village. So there's a, a trail there now, I suppose, about, about three kilometres in length, and it's a, it's a fantastic amenity and it's a fantastic opportunity for people to connect with uh, connect with the, the peatland and, and you know, uh, nature there and, and Eugene and, and the, the group run a lot of events. They do a lot of work, education work with local schools. They, they run a lot of, um, you know, biodiversity themed events. We had a fantastic uh, day of nature walks and talks out there. And they also then collaborate with other uh, research projects and and then uh, state led conservation um, uh, action there in Cloncrow Bog. And then Eileen Fahey uh, from Kiltieve and Tardy Towns. Um, so that's uh, around Clune Large Bog in, in Roscommon. Uh, and that's a really important, it's an SAC and it's a very significant uh, uh, peatland. Um, but they developed those walking trails. They're using old, old bog roads. So in a way they haven't really when I say developed, they, they, I suppose they have they have signposted and, and they, they they maintained some some of the trails as well. They've done amazing signage, um, working with local school schools and artists and uh, a sculpture as well. So they they really uh, 
brought in a lot of people um into into the work to promote uh, promote the peatland and they're now hoping that conservation works will start on 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 Clunar's bog shortly but we were at an event yesterday and Eileen gave a really passionate uh, presentation about their work but one of the things she she talked about was uh, I suppose kind of how maybe our relationship with peatlands are changing so she talked about how when when turf cutting was initially stopped on the bog, uh, there was a real sense of talked about how people went through almost the stages of grieving, you know, the five stages of grieving, because obviously this was a very important uh, way of life and, and livelihood for, for a lot of people. Um, and uh, uh, it created, I suppose, a sense of placelessness in, in, in the village of Kiltiven. But uh, I suppose through through Eileen in particular through her leadership and and you know and, and vision, uh, she she's been working to to create maybe a new vision uh, and a new sense of place uh, for Kiltive and through through uh, these peatland projects. So I think he, I, I I sort of maybe won't dwell on on this slide too much. I think you've got a sense of some of the benefits from being a member uh, uh, of the CWF. But some of the quotes there, uh, you know, I never knew there was so much life on the bog. That was somebody who attended uh, one of our, I think it was the Nature Walk and Talk in, in Clancrow Bog there uh, that we had. And we had uh, uh, um, experts talking about the moths, the butterflies, the birds as well, the plants uh, around the bog. Uh, and, you know, somebody who'd grown up nearby was just sort of mesmerized by how much life and biodiversity there was on the bog. So, so I think uh, when you hear that sort of organically, it's 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 uh, you know it's it's pretty uh, inspiring. So then you know I mean okay we need to obviously protect and conserve uh, bogs and peatlands, but um, you know why why would there be um, why would there be uh, why why should communities be involved or what, why is it really important that that communities are involved? So I mean. There's lots of benefits, uh, of course. I mean, I've already touched on bogs, bogs being climate heroes, uh, especially when they're they're protected. Uh, amazing uh, carbon sink. But I suppose from a community point of view, and actually Eileen, I just I just say Eileen talked about this. You know, she she says talked about how as a community person, a member of a community, she wanted to be able to look her her grandchildren in the eye and say, look, I have done as much as I can. Uh, you know, in 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 climate action in terms of uh, promoting and driving the benefits of, of, of the peatland from, from a nature's perspective. Connecting to and protecting biodiversity. So again, you know, I, I kind of have touched on that a little bit already. Um, Buy-in to conservation and, and, and a long-term sense of ownership. So it's fantastic to see all the state-led um, uh, yeah, all the state-led initiatives now uh, that there are around the country. But I suppose ultimately once a project or once contractors leave an area, it's the local community who are who are who who remain there and it's very important that 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 there is genuine buy-in and genuine involvement from the get-go because ultimately it's the community who will be custodians of of the local peatland or local wetland uh, into the future there are opportunities for ecotourism and sustainable economic spin-offs so i mean you know walking and recreation uh, is probably going to become a bigger thing and there's uh, already you know, many of our member groups offer, I suppose, the walking trails, uh, etc. Um, so there's huge, and I'll touch on that a little bit. Folklore, culture, and heritage. I mean, look, peatlands are uh, they're a part of our culture, part of our heritage, have been for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Uh, providing livelihoods, providing inspiration, providing you know warmth, fuel, you name it. Um, 
and 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 also you know home for 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 nature for curlew for for all these iconic uh, 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 birds and, and and species, and it's really important that that is respected, uh, and that is uh, that we don't sort of forget where we we came from. And so again, many of our uh, many of our member groups uh, are engaged with, for example, projects to record history, oral history, heritage, um, physical and mental well being. I think I touched on that already. You know, you saw that in the video um, connection. Connection is a big one, social capital, sense of community. So again, I talked about Eileen and, and creating a, a new sense of place. Like we live in an era where unfortunately loneliness and, and uh, is a big issue and we're living maybe more separately from each other that, than, than we would have been in the past. Uh, and, you know, I often hear of people talking about, I suppose, growing up, um, going to the bog during the summer to foot the turf and, and people coming together and, and there being that sense of mehel. Well, you know, through through community led peatland initiatives, there, there there are opportunities. There are still opportunities for that sense of mehel and sense of uh, togetherness and a sense of creating a new uh, sense of place and connection. Uh, and that's that, that. I think oftentimes maybe when we think of peatlands and we think of peatland and wetland restoration, we maybe focus. I don't know if too much is the right word, but maybe we focus almost slowly on the solely on the climate and the biodiversity benefits, which obviously are really important. But we need to think about the social and the community and the cultural. Those are probably immeasurable, but they're really important. And then look, I think for going back again, hundreds of years, you know, or whatever, uh, peatlands and nature have been important uh, spaces for kind of artistic and cultural expression and. And uh, we have launched a, a webinar series. We launched it last night with Tina Claffey, photographer Tina Claffey, um, looking at the um, looking at uh, I suppose ways in which artists uh, communicate the importance of wetlands and peatlands through their work. So, you know, loads of benefits uh, from community involvement and protection and management of wetlands. There we go. Yeah. So I just want to say a little bit more now um, uh, about some of our own maybe practical or you know our, our work a little bit more in depth so the connecting communities of peatlands project so that's a collaboration between the community wetlands forum and irish rural link and my colleague Aoife leads on that uh, and that's a just transition project so it's focused really uh, on the midlands uh, and, and it provides mentoring and capacity building training for peatland community groups so there's a lot of very practical uh, training for example you know uh, social media, Instagram training, digital folklore, storytelling. Uh, IFA's um, project will be launching a, 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 an online um, peatland ecology course as well uh, very shortly. So lots of really amazing uh, resources and, and support for, for community groups interested in peatland projects. So uh, I suppose I, I touched on outreach and I uh, as well. So we we held, we, you know, we hold a number of uh, study visits and skill sharing events uh, around the country uh, every year. And and this is these are photos from one that we had in, in Kilchamock and Mayo uh, back in November, and that was in conjunction with the Kilchamock Community Park, which is a, an amazing, brilliant community-led uh, initiative to create an amenity. Uh, uh, in the village of Kilchamach, but linking it in to to the local peatland, linking, uh, you know, improving, I suppose, even just on a micro level, improving biodiversity, getting school children involved uh, as well. Um, so that that was a and there was huge interest in that event, which was uh, which was quite heartening to see. 
some of our other member groups and projects then as well, uh, you know, all focusing on different aspects of community-led wetland management. So Scaha Boybog and Clock Jordan, the community there has really, I suppose, catalyzed and worked with uh, NPWS and Kilcha uh, around the, the restoration works in Scaha Boybog. Shannon Town wetlands. So so uh, I know a lot of our groups are, are bog-focused, but Shannon Town wetlands is, is an on bog wetland and that's an urban wetland and that's a restoration project being led by the by the local community there with a lot of support from from the likes of law pro and the local authority as well and um, killy Connie bog project uh, that's focused on killy Connie bog in in cavan uh, and they do you know the form to i suppose promote uh killy Connie bog and they do a lot of engagement and then carberry bog in kildare carberry not Kerr bog and that's an interesting uh interesting project um i suppose you know we all know you know that we're maybe in a period of transition and, and, and that's, that's not not always maybe the most straightforward or easy thing um but uh so this is this is a, a bog which is owned by the community and it's been managed by the community for the harvesting of of turf for the community and, and it still is uh to this day but there are i suppose conversations happening in the community group around um maybe, uh, you know, what does the future look like uh, and and uh, ensuring a sustainable future for the bog. So those are, I really like that because that's community, grassroots, democratic discussions happening, uh, happening naturally. And I think you need that kind of, you need that space for those conversations to happen, for people to hear different opinions and, and, and uh, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they've, they've engaged a lot with the Community Wetlands Forum and come to a lot of events and seen uh, seeing how you know communities are engaging in different ways with with peatlands. So I mentioned Cloncrow already, Cloncrow Bog, Eugene. Um, just one one photo here, I think, kind of encapsulates that sense of well being. We had a we had an event there last year, and Eugene organised the local choir from Mullingar uh, to to come and and sing on on kind of a viewing platform on the boardwalk. So that was a really that was a that was a brilliant uh, brilliant brilliant event. Um, so Abbey Leaks Bog project, um, often I suppose, rightly uh, hailed as you know a really success, really successful and an inspiring example of community-led uh, peatland restoration, um, uh, and and it's it's been it's been quite successful in terms of of carbon, uh, you know, of, of of the actual restoration of the peatlands and carbon sequestration, uh, and they've got, had a lot of support from National Parks and Wildlife Service. But I don't want to dwell on that aspect of it too much. I I really want to maybe talk on talk about the social, cultural, and, and to an extent economic spin-off. So um they they've also developed um walking trails and boardwalks uh, throughout throughout the bog uh, and uh, with again, this is community-led uh, volunteers coming in, building and maintaining uh, the boardwalk. So obviously it's a significant amount of work. However, uh, you know, over the years, the Abilique's Bog project has uh, they've developed a genuine, genuine, very strong, rooted in the sense of place, passion and love for the bog uh, and, and love for the project. And I think, you know, you see that photo there, if I can move this thing, uh, maybe I can't, but anyway, you can see that photo there in the bottom right uh, of volunteers. I think that was in January, January last year, I think, uh, out drinking tea and while they're, 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 they're repairing the boardwalk. So, uh, that sense of mehel that I talked about, you know, that's an example of how that connection and, and mehel uh, can still exist. And, you know, uh, just move into the next slide if we can. Yeah, so you don't see it there, but 
there's been an economic spin-off, I think, as well, uh, for the town and for the hotel adjacent. So as a result of the success of the Bog Project, there's been quite a few peatland-related uh, conferences in the in the local hotel, and the, the local hotel have set up a new coffee dock uh, as well, uh, an outdoor coffee dock. And um, so again, there's, you know, benefits benefits not just nature or not just the people visiting the bog but it, it benefits the wider the wider community as well including large bogs here are just some photos you, i you saw it in the in the video earlier but uh i think two things are particularly interesting here you have the sculpture so that's that's gulliver and um, uh that's the the, the uh, the, the, uh, and the reason for so the reason for Gulliver uh, maybe will become clearer. This is the the the, the, the turf harvesting machine, which was found uh, on the bog, um, and uh, this was this this wasn't this wasn't a, a state. This wasn't Board Demona, or it wasn't sort of a, a big agency. Uh, this, this this was sort of local local people harvesting turf, but. Uh, the, it meant a lot to the to the to the local community who had maybe used this machine to to see that it was uh, I suppose preserved uh, so they so they 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 kind of you can see they gave it a look of paint and they've they've protected it and they have a bit of signage there about the history of of turf cutting on on large bog, uh, but apparently colloquially it was known as as lily pot that machine so they. Uh, they then created a kind of a theme around Gulliver's travels and Lilliput. So this this sculpture is uh, is Gulliver, uh, and it's a great, amazing uh, feature. Uh, so again, just showing how through community effort and imagination, uh, you know, these places are enlivened. I mentioned the creativity for the wetlands webinar series, which kicked off last night. So this is a new fortnightly webinar series, and it'll it'll showcase how various artists are connecting people and wetlands and, and how art is often a media uh, that can maybe, uh, uh, I think it was said last night in the webinar, it can transcend can transcend hearts and minds in a way that maybe other other media or other other forms of communication don't. So in two weeks time, so, so Thursday, two weeks, we'll have another webinar with Fanula McKenna, who's involved in the Clock Jordan Community Development Association and Skaha Boy Bog, talking about their artistic project, Voices from the Past Breathe Loud, Loudly. So now I've been, I think I've been talking long enough, so I'll bring it to a conclusion now. It's just some final points. So, so look, I mean, wetlands and peatlands, uh, you know, they, they can be contentious spaces, but they don't have to be. Um, communities want to be involved and want to lead on, on projects, but often just need a little bit of support and, and guidance and getting to the starting point. There's lots of ways for communities to lead on or be involved in promoting and protecting wetlands. So, so it could be via direct restoration, but but it, you know there's lots of other ways. I think I've I've shown that. Um, community-led projects uh, and community genuine community engagement that could be engagement with state and semi-state as well uh, creates real opportunities for connection, friendship, peer learning really important to celebrate and connect to the past and, and you know we shouldn't be ashamed of it uh, um sometimes maybe when we're, when we're changing maybe from one mode to another we can almost throw the baby out with the bathwater. but i mean this is this is a you know our 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 our, our not not just our past it's still our present in in in, in many ways but our, our present with peatlands and with turf is, is a part of who we are and um, i think in terms of you know a lot more maybe communication is probably required uh, around the importance of peatlands, in particular, probably from a, a climate perspective. We probably don't realize, or a lot of people and maybe don't realize just how 
valuable of a resource in terms of fighting climate change uh, uh, peatlands are. And I know I know that can be a little bit loaded at times, but I think I think there's probably more communication is needed around that. For long-term buy-in and for genuine sustainability of projects, uh, I think it's really important that the community and local stakeholder involved, you know, genuine local involvement uh, from the get-go is absolutely vital on that. We look towards developing place-based solutions. And obviously, uh, you know, there's no one-size-fits-all approach there. A lot of landowners, including non-farmers, so farm people who own land, own peatland, but don't necessarily farm, they want to be involved and maybe aren't always sure of how or what supports are available. Great to see biodiversity and climate action officers uh, being appointed around the country. And I think there's huge potential for collaboration there with uh, community groups. Um, and look, uh, you know, if you're curious or or, or or know of a community group or are in a community group and you'd like to get involved, get get in touch or or um, you'll find out more on our website. So hopefully that has been um, useful and interesting. And um, so there's our contact details. So so do do get in touch. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Thank you very much, Michal. Fascinating. Uh, and I suppose there's a good few questions starting to come in there, but a, a, a couple of quick questions. I suppose we have a, a few or a, a quite a number now of, of very large restoration projects going on. And uh, and I suppose a question is, is there a scope for as well as if you want the industrial scale uh, restoration? Is there a, a potential role for communities in working with agencies on those big projects? In, in in terms of the bigger projects, is it? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No, definitely. And I think, I think it's 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 not only is there scope. Uh, I think I think it's you know I think it's it's a must really in terms of in terms of buy in and in terms of maybe you know communicating properly with 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 communities and people living around bigger projects. We'll say because I know sometimes through maybe through misinformation or you know whatever fear and, and and things can build up so i think i think i think it's not only as their scope i think it's it's incredibly important so and it is happening i mean it's i know it maybe not it's not perfect yet but but i mean we're, we're seeing more and more of that so yeah there definitely is yeah and you talked you talked a little bit and and about i suppose a, a number of linked things as a, a sense of place and a sense of community but you, you also talked about grief uh, uh, around, I suppose, for a way of life that was, was I suppose, integral to a lot of communities. And we probably, in other parts of the country, I suppose that we, we don't have too many bogs where I am here in Wexford, but uh, we, we don't get us or, or have enough of an appreciation of the change that people have been asked to make in, in these areas. And and the grief that comes with it, you you put your whole life into something, and suddenly you're told you're not relevant. And in fact, uh, a lot of it is now around saying, "Well, you, we were wrong to do what we were doing." But I think the point you make about celebrating what was was done in these and the importance of 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 these bogs in in the total Irish culture is something that we do need to take back and 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 to celebrate a bit. Definitely, definitely, a hundred percent. You know, whether it's through whether it's through storytelling or or heritage, I think there's huge scope as well now for for you know heritage projects. Just transition, we'll say her, heritage projects, and like I know, um, I think it's, it's Sean Kane. I think has done a lot of work in terms of recording uh, and capturing the the railways, the the the, the Bordnamona 
uh, railways uh, of Ireland, and I mean that's that's that, that's an incredible uh, part of our, our our industrial heritage, you know. So I think it's really important that that is that's valued and it's 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 recorded and it's it's not forgotten about because it's 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 a uh, you know not just our industrial heritage but probably our our heritage as a state you know the the when we were a young state these uh state agencies played a massive role in our in our development so yeah that's really important a lot of questions coming in lots of questions lots of compliments i won't read them all out michal but i'm um, really appreciating your talk um just a couple of ones i know you'll give a where do rivers and streams fit in with wetlands as a category yeah, yeah. So I mean, my my uh, understanding of wetlands is that 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 incorporates uh, rivers and streams and the riparian zones as well. So I mean, what you know, projects along riparian zones, for example, along the edges of rivers, like are are vitally important in terms of protecting them. And I know, I I know, for example, like the work of some of the rivers trusts around the country, uh, uh, and where I'm from, uh, the Blackwater River Catchment Trust up up in in North Monaghan and uh, does does great work around protecting protecting those and working with landowners. So yeah, definitely, uh, definitely vital. Yeah, they're all, all all wetlands. Your focus just today was particularly peatlands. Yeah, um, yeah. But but all I assume are welcome in your organisation. There's a few questions about that. Yeah. Is there any point in communities with small wetland habitats getting involved? We have two ponds and a rebed in our town, um, but nothing as significant as a bog or salt marsh. Now, somebody else might say everything is equal there. And another question there about is there a minimum size required to join your forum? So just a small. What about small no. ones? No, 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 no minimum size required at all. The only thing is required is, is a, a genuine, I suppose, yeah, interest really uh, in, 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 in wetlands and, and their protection. So, so that's that's. No minimum size. Uh, specific, very important question here about what's your advice to community groups on public liability insurance? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that is that is obviously an important and tricky one. I I, I know. I mean, a, a lot of our member groups have, have so they have public liability insurance, and and obviously, if you're going to be undertaking events or 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 anything, it's it's a must. Um, happy to maybe chat if if they want to get in touch with me directly i could chat to you a little bit more about that um okay lovely and um i expect you'll be getting a lot of phone calls by the by the questions i'm getting here uh an individual landowner and how could advisors help as well in the process but do you know we work with farmers so there's farmers mm. and advisors watching here who know there's somebody very interested but as an individual where do you go as an individual landowner is it yeah not, not far a, yeah valuable wetland can i yeah yeah so that organization that is i i think that is probably a little bit of a gap at the moment maybe in terms of the individual landowners now what i will say is if if the individual was to maybe get involved with or form a, a community group like there are there are funding schemes like the peatland community engagement scheme which is run by national parks and wildlife service or even Community Foundation Ireland uh, has has grants for even initially looking at assessments and studies of of of, of the habitats, and that Law Pro as well, um, local authority water program office might be, uh, you know, they they run they run a lot of support as well financial support. Um, yeah. Now I know within our own network, then I mean, uh, we have a couple of projects. So the 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 Tullamore Lions Club, for example, uh, again, I suppose it's 
partnership between a community group and a landowner, but they are are working directly with the landowner um, in, in, in Offaly on the, the, the restoration of, of, of a single kind of privately owned uh, uh, site of, of, of peatland. So so there are there are opportunities there, but I think I think it's probably probably a little bit of a gap, I think, still. Okay, okay. Well very interesting. Now a very specific one here. Um wetlands give off more considerably more methane than pasture. Are there any nationwide measurements planned? Has anyone done any analysis of satellite data that seems to be coming more available? And uh, there's an, an old reference for a methodology there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So as far as to the best of my knowledge, also I I I I think that, I mean I I know the EPA are 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 do a lot of work around that. I, I think you're you're right, maybe it's not quite there are yeah. still some imperfections or you know, there's still work ongoing, but I know the EPA definitely do uh, do a lot of work and then individual individual research uh, uh projects as well. Um not specifically yeah. your uh, Patty, I wonder do you want to comment on that? Yeah, and I suppose the, the, the um the the the, the, the flux towers that are, are being put out around the country uh, by Cogusk as, as part of the, 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 the national uh, inventory uh, uh, project uh, have a number of, of those flux towers going out on, on wetlands and, and peatlands. So they should be able to uh, give a, a, a indications of the, the fluxes of, of a variety of gases, of, of greenhouse gases in particular, and, and what the, the levels are under different management and under different uh, okay. conditions. So that will, I, I presume, add significantly to that over the next couple of years. Uh, questions looking for the details, but I think the best way there to say is that all our webinars are recorded and the presentation will be up on the website in a few days. So just uh, you keep in touch with that website. You will have all Michal's details there. That's the best way to say it. Um, a specific one about ponds and sadness about where ponds land changes ownership and the pond is filled in. But um, is there anything in law or scheme regulation enforcement to deter landowners from filling in ponds and wetlands um, or possibly even encourage landowners to retain them? Yeah, I mean, I again, I mean, you have to do planning regulations and, and EIA and that. So, so, so there, yeah, I mean, there, there are, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'd say, Michal, you'd agree with me that, that what the work you're doing and the the best hope we have for the future rather than law is is um, education. 100%. And I think, like, going back to even what I, what I said, it's kind of at the start, you know, at the start, like, going back to the 90s even and the 80s, like, you know, like we, we we've had environmental laws and environmental protections in place, but uh, you know uh, through the even the early days of the Habitats Directives, like going back to nineteen ninety two, and um, so it's it's one thing having I suppose the legislation in place. The second thing is is how you actually how it's actually implemented, and and through I think engagement with genuine engagement with communities and landowners, then you can sort of um, you can maybe do probably a lot more good than just having having laws obviously you need enforcement as well but i think there's a, a big engagement uh, piece that, that needs to happen uh, first 
just want to go back to a question I said about the dried out peatlands give off more methane, not wet ones. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, if the bog is wet and in good, or Pat, maybe yeah. you want to No, I think, well, it's, it, it's, it's like a lot of things, it's slightly more complex than that. I think the, the dried, uh, where there's a lot of drainage on peatland, they tend to give off uh, a, quite a lot of, of CO2. When they're uh, re-wetted, if they're re-wetted up to just below the surface, they tend to go into a, a, a low level of, 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 of emissions of both. And as re-wetting goes right up to the surface, then you get an increase in, in, in methane. So it, it, it is quite complex. And I suppose it's one of the things that there's a lot of research going on to try and understand the exact dynamics of, of, of what's happening there to try and minimize the, 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 the losses and to get management that would minimize the losses. Me, I'll let me that, that, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, I um, again, you know, I, I'm neither a, an ecologist nor a hydrologist. However, I know from I suppose some, some of our projects and, and you know, working in the working in the area that as, as you said yourself is complex and not necessarily linear so i think uh you know initially after the water table has been raised there can be as you said more methane given off but then then over time then there's 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 a stabilization and, and as i think one of the speaking in very general terms here now of course and then one of the one of the um comments there uh, mentioned i mean ultimately the aim is to get to a place then through restoration where where it's where the wetland or the peatland is a is a fantastic store of, of carbon in particular yeah. and has a net has a net i suppose a net benefit um to yeah. the climate and, so that's and i think in general um for it's it's it, it's if a if a peatland is in good condition from a habitat point of view it's good from a carbon point of view in general wouldn't that be true yeah, yeah, I suppose, yeah, and I mean a, a wet, a wet peatland essentially wet as peatland. well. Like, yeah, like, it was one slide I didn't show, and 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 probably maybe should have shown uh, in this presentation, but it was it was uh, from the Abbey Leaks Bog Project. Like they have, they've done periodic uh, the measurements uh, or the regular measurements, but at different points in time. So before before the restoration works, kind of midway through, and then and then recently in, in, in 2022. And you can actually see, based on the various ecotopes, so the various, I suppose, sections of the bog, depending on their condition at the start, how over time, so, so, some, of, some of the, the sections, some of the ecotopes are now, have gone from net emitting, net emitters of carbon, to net uh, sort of sinks, they're, they're actually sequestering carbon. And then the others, okay while they're still emitting carbon they're emitting much less carbon than they were at the start so you can actually see over time the measurements uh, and this is a i suppose a community led project so um you, you know so it's, it shows over time actually how how uh, through restoration works peatlands are, are are becoming carbon sinks uh, basically Pat, I have two more that I want to get to before I go back to you. Um, was traditional hand cutting and harvesting considered sustainable? And is it only the big machines that do the harm? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, in, in ways, in ways, I could say it's probably a complex enough one. But like, I mean, look, obviously, the more the more that's cut and and, and industrially cut, the more the more damage is, is going to be done, of course. Uh, but I suppose it's the drainage, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And look at a very important one. I, I came in first, but I left it till my last one there because it, you could go on forever. What's the biggest challenge in working with wetlands? Good question. Um, well, I suppose maybe from a community perspective in particular, 
there there, there might be challenges around uh for example uh access like land access like if a community has say a particular project in, in mind like the, the tourist pass project like the, the boardwalk that, that that i showed you there so that's community-led but um, they had to get permission of, of landowners, uh, written permission uh, of landowners uh, for 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 the boardwalk. So so I suppose just depending on local conditions and whatever, uh, you know, that, that can be a challenge. And and obviously, like particularly when it, particularly around peatlands, uh, you know, there's lots of owners, there's lots of turvy rights holders as well, and and they're not always maybe known or or. You, you know to, to the community that that can be a challenge from a community perspective yeah definitely sorry pat just one last one there a comment the hare's corner project remember that one um it has been rolled out in clare mayo and yeah. carlo and could fund ponds so look up that for the people Brilliant. talking about ponds yeah. hare's corner project okay back to That's you pat. yeah and, and i suppose there's a a lot involved in getting a community to work together on projects like this is there is there any blueprint or do they all come from very different motivations and are there a number of kind of key criteria that determine whether they're successful or not yeah yeah again again i would say there's no one size fits all as such uh but um like a lot of our community come at it from different different perspectives we'll say but i suppose um having having a group or having a some kind of a, a committee in place, you know, engaging widely through events with with the wider community, a lot, a lot of, I mean, look, a lot, a lot of, I suppose, effort as well, and 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 voluntary time, and then knowing where to go, you know, knowing where to go for support and celebrating the small wins. So look, if if there is a group, uh, if there are anyone in the webinar, maybe who's in a group or or knows of a group, maybe who'd like to. If he has an idea, happy to happy to talk to you about it. We have a couple of resources. So on our website, there's a there's, there's a booklet um guidelines for communities managing peatlands and wetlands, and it's it's uh, it's updated sort of periodically. But there's there's various I suppose uh guidelines and 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 you know signposts in terms of maybe steps that a, a community group could or should take. Another thing I would I would always say. So if if you are at you know beginning a community project and you have your group and have your structure um a good a good place to start is a plan coming up with a you know maybe a baseline study of the uh, of the site or, or developing a plan because then once you i suppose once you know what your starting point is and where you want to get then you can uh, maybe more readily identify funding opportunities or, or partners and things like that so and and in ter in terms of I, I suppose one of the things that scares people a lot is is, is that issue you just meant, mentioned around funding opportunities and uh, the the organisations or the groupings that where funding is available from and uh, and I suppose one of the other things that tends to scare people is some of the funding opportunities come with fairly high co-funding which puts a lot of pressure mm -hmm. on communities so you might just give us a, a minute on the, the the I suppose the support funding landscape that's out there. Uh, yeah. Boom! There's some funding comes from the 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 um uh oh the 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 fund for for um uh, just transition. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I suppose at the moment, uh, there probably are quite a few 
funding streams out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, like I think that's that that can be a challenge, partly the co-funding element of it, but also uh also probably like, a lot of a lot of applications, maybe especially from a community perspective, like you know, when you're on voluntary time can be uh can be cumbersome and and, and can take a while. But um like the National Parks and Wildlife Service run the, the Peakland Community Engagement Scheme and and I expect I, I you know I am I'm assuming that, that would be um uh, will be opening uh, this year uh, again. That that's been running uh, over the last number of years, and a lot of our member groups have have, you know, successfully applied for funding there. Now there is a, a co-funding requirement of twenty percent, but voluntary time, for example, um, uh, can 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 be used as as. So again, you know, I think if you have any questions around that, uh, get in touch, and and I could put you in touch with maybe community groups that have successfully applied. Law Pro is another is another um, I'd say. They run regular uh, funding, uh, the 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 water and community fund, and and that's I would say probably fairly f- friendly from a community perspective, and they have their 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 community officers around the country as well who are happy to happy to help uh, and talk to community groups. So, and then obviously then there's the bigger ones, the just transition and and the leader, and um, I, I mean th- there's more and more. I think. In terms okay. of small projects, Harris Corner was mentioned. So yeah, and I presume I presume most of the projects that you're or most of the groups you're working with probably started small and, and have grown o- o- over a period. Yeah. You don't have to take exactly. a massive project in the beginning. Okay, I think we're we're, we're running out of time. Michal, absolutely fascinating. Uh, I think it's brought a, a whole new opportunity potentially to to people and a, a bit of a realization that there's a, a future there for some of the the wetland areas that that previously would have. I suppose formed a, a, a fuel source uh, as as their major contribution. Now there's a whole new potential contribution into the future of of, of these areas, and it's I suppose up to us now to to grasp that. Um, so thank you once again, Catherine, uh, uh, and thank you, Michal. And just don't uh, forget wetlands.ie for the events this week. Thank you. Oh, yeah, very much. Irishwetlands.ie uh, for the events uh, uh, organised under the Ramsar. Uh, uh, so next week, I suppose it's it, we're 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 talking about the I suppose the old fuel source. We're we're moving towards new fuel sources, and uh, as we move more and more towards renewables, I think wind last year accounted for thirty nine percent of our our electricity production here in Ireland, which might have been uh, thought to be impossible a number of years ago. Uh, the next major movement is is on solar. Uh, and while I think only about 0.2% of our, our uh, electricity came from solar, that's due to, to increase, I think, uh, rapidly with projection of, of up to 2% uh, next year. So next week, uh, we have uh, Barry Casling uh, from Chagas, our specialist, We'll be talking about uh, solar PV in, in, in agriculture. So until then, thanks to our, our production team, Mary and, and Yvonne. Thanks to our speakers. And we'll see you uh, this time next week. You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagask.ie. And you can also rate, review and subscribe to the Signpost series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson and thanks for listening.